Well, we're in the series called Asking for a Friend, and this morning we're going to tackle, I think, a very important question, one that's very interesting to me because the question is this, is should we be persuasive when it comes to our faith? Should we do our best to go persuade others to consider Jesus and come to Christ? And I would say the answer to that question is absolutely yes. We should do everything we can to be persuasive, to be influential in the world we live. Now, now it's interesting because we live in a, in a world where we're seeing court cases go all the way to the, scene, the Supreme Court about, hey, this person was <clears throat> influencing somebody to believe what they believed. But as a follower of Christ, we under, read our Bibles and we, we recognize that we're the light to the world. We're like a city on a hill. We're called to this world. We're called to go to this world. And we're going to look at two quick passages of Scripture that I think are really important. One is in Revelation chapter 7. Flip over there, Revelation chapter 7. Now, John, the, 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 the apostle John was my favorite. He's my favorite disciple. You know what I like about John? John was called the son, one of the sons of thunder. I like that about him. <laughs> uh, he was a little chippy. He was, uh, he was faster than Peter. Remember Peter? John outran Peter to the, the, the tomb when, when Mary knocked on the door and said, Jesus is gone. And, um, but John, what, what I like about him, I, I want to be like John because John never left Jesus. He never left. At the, like when Jesus was arrested, all the disciples ran. John didn't run. John stayed there. He was there the entire time through the trial and through the, 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 the crucifixion. And, and he was there when, when, when Jesus hung from the cross and said to, to John, hey, this is your mother. Take care of my mom. And I like John because he never left. And I, that's how I want to be. That's how I pray our church does, it lives out their, our faith. That we, no matter what comes in our world, we never, we never chunk our faith. We never bail on the Lord. That's what I pray for us. Um, I think it's significant that John was the one that got the revelation. I think that's significant. I think, you know, um, he wrote in Revelation 7, 9. Look at verse 9 because you realize he wrote about an event that is on our calendar. This is something that's going to happen in Revelation 7, 9. John said, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Oh my goodness, that, that's a moment that is in our future, that, that we will gather in heaven around the throne of God. And let me tell you something, that's going to be some event. And we're going to look around, and it's, it's going to be people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, gathered around the, the throne of God, singing praises to God, and we'll be praising the Lord because salvation belongs to him. And it makes sense. Who, um, you know, when I think about the world we are living, pe- people believe in so many crazy things. They, they believe in different religious systems, different things. There, there are people that believe in, in, in Muhammad, but, but the problem is he, he died. Uh, people believe in, in Buddha, but he, he died too. People believe in Confucius. Oh my goodness, people believe in themselves. They trust them. Guess what? We're going to die too. 
But we just sang several songs about Jesus conquered the grave. Folks, who, who else did that? You know what changed John's life? J- John saw Jesus die. He was there in the, in the tragedy of the moment as, as, as he watched Jesus die on the cross going, oh my goodness. But then the crazy moment, three days later, he's with the disciples in that upper room and, and then you hear the Ma- Mary at the door going, he's not there. What? And then John and Peter ran. Uh, you know, John records in, in the gospel, John ran on ahead. I love that. Um, and uh, he gets there first and, and I can imagine John in his mind thinking back all the things that Jesus taught, but there he was in the upper room on the third day. And there he was. Jesus was there. Conquered the grave, folks. Who? Then, then he said to him, walked with them for, for days and days. And, and then right before John's eyes, Jesus ascended into heaven and gave him that commission, go to the nations. Go. Go. And you know what John did? He went. He went. And here we are in 2022, still have the call to go. Folks, this Revelation 7-9 moment is on our our calendar. And salvation belongs to God, John wrote about. And, and, And we understand this. We're grateful for this because salvation was a gift that that was given to us. We, we, didn't, we didn't earn it. You know, you can't earn salvation. We can't be good enough. We experience that, that thing we call grace. That, that's a gift that we've been given that, that, that we, don't, we don't deserve. And, and you know, we, we, we receive mercy. We know what we do deserve. We deserve separation from God. And, and then God... Uh, drew us, opened our eyes, brought us from death to life. He showed us mercy. He allowed us to come close to him. He allowed us to experience him. He lives inside of us, and now his Holy Spirit is in us and and working around us and and through us, and and his Spirit convicts us and draws us and corrects us and and moves us to community. It, it, It guides us. It strengthens us. He He's with us. We can interact with the Holy Spirit of God. And, and, and look, salvation belongs to him. Turn to Romans chapter 10. Because, because in Romans 10, it's one of the greatest pictures of what salvation looks like and, and, and what God has done. And, and, and when you look at this, let's stand together. I want you to, let's read, verse, start in verse 13, because I want us to, just kind of process 13 through 15 for just a moment. And he says this in verse 13, for everyone, Romans 10, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Maybe see now. Now you look at verse thirteen because you know what Paul's doing here. God's 
God reminded Paul as he was writing the book of Romans, he, he remembered the prophet Joel. Joel chapter 2, verse 32. Well, that's what Paul quotes here. He, you know, Joel writes this, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance. As the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. And, and right here, you see this, this, all through history, all through the Bible, you see this universal calling of salvation, that, that salvation was not just meant for the Jews. God established a people, and then he used that people to go and proclaim salvation to the world. And all the way back to, to the Old Testament prophets, uh, they, they proclaimed, look, salvation is open to the whole world, to all who would come, Jew or Gentile alike. And you know what's the, the same is true today as, as we walk with the Lord and, and we embrace the responsibility. You know what I pray today? Not, not that we would just accept the responsibility today to, to share the gospel and to take the gospel to the world. My prayer is not just that we accept the responsibility, but that we embrace the calling. Because you and I are called to, to share the gospel. We articulate it like this as a, as a church. One of our core values is that we are ambassadors for Christ. That we are called to go represent Christ to the world. You know what? Uh, point number one, if you're taking notes, and, and we'll hustle through this. But number one is that every believer has the privilege and responsibility to pass on the message of salvation. You and I have the privilege of, 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 of representing Christ. We have the responsibility of representing Christ. And we're called to be witnesses to the world. And this is a call that, that I see so many um, not embracing. And we've got to, my, my prayer is not that we, we just accept the responsibility, that we embrace the calling. So, you know, uh, like we have a, a, a doctrinal statement in Article 14 of our Baptist Faith and Message says this. I want you to hear it. It says, it's the duty and privilege of every follower of Christ and of every church of the Lord Jesus Christ to endeavor to make disciples of all nations. The birth of a man's spirit by God's Holy Spirit means the birth of love for others. Missionary effort on the part of all rest thus upon the spiritual necessity of the regenerate life and is expressly and repeatedly commanded in the teachings of Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ has commanded the preaching of the gospel to all nations. Notice this, it's the duty of every child of God to seek constantly to win the lost to Christ by verbal witness undergirded by a Christian lifestyle and by other methods in harmony with the gospel of Christ. I love that statement. Because, you know, it, tell, it calls us, it, it reminds us that we're called, we're called to live it. We're called to live our faith out in, 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 in our private life, in our public life. Like we, we should be able to have evidence of our walk with God in our lives. And, and there, there's evidence of this. We're, we're called to live it. But we're also called to talk it up. You know, there's a, I saw a shirt in the airport last week, and, and a guy had a shirt from, it was a quote from St. Francis of Assisi that says, a uh, famous quote, it says, always share the gospel when necessary, use words. That's neat. It's a neat little statement. But I hate that statement. And I understand the heart of it, so I didn't go up and yell at the guy. But, but, 
But I want you to know it's always necessary to use words. It's always necessary to to talk to others about about Christ. That's why at the Mission Center, we had the Mission Golf Tournament this week, and oh my goodness, I saw some horrible golf shots on Friday. It was awful. Um, um, but, But the goal was... I did a good golf shot. The goal was to to further the opportunity to to not just feed people, but to share the gospel with people. We've seen people saved through the mission center, and we're called to this. And and I and and I, I think it's incredible to it's important to recognize that it's the privilege to share the gospel. It's and and we, we, it's our responsibility to pass on the message of salvation. Because look at verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Folks, that's our greatest need. That's your greatest need. And, and, and that's why Jesus came. And that's why Joel said, look, uh, the, the prophets, Joel and Isaiah, they, they got these messages from God that, that Jesus was going to come. And Isaiah wrote about it, that he would be pierced for our transgression. In Isaiah 53, he said he would be crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that would bring us peace would be on him and by his wounds will be healed. Salvation was, it was, a, was a need for humanity. And then, then, oh my goodness, Jesus came. He was born in a miraculous way. And, and he, he, you can't explain it uh, biologically how Jesus was born. And, and, and it was a miracle. And then he, then he lived this life that the people that rubbed shoulders with him said, who are you? Nicodemus said, you got to be from God. Nobody can do what you do unless God were with them. Nobody, Jesus. And then he, he died. Died on a cross. And that seemed odd because I thought, I thought Jesus was going to be the deliverer. Then the Romans, they were punks and they were, they were, they were ruling people and they were, they were causing a lot of pain and suffering. And Jesus, I thought you were going to deliver us from the Romans, but no, Jesus delivered humanity from a bigger enemy, Satan, sin, death. And then that's why Jesus, three days after he died, he rose from the grave. Folks, where else can you put your hope? Who else has done that in history? No one but Jesus. And look at verse 13. Or excuse me, verse 14. Look at these questions. How then can they call on the one whom they've not believed? And how can they believe in in one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Notice the verbs here. I think it's interesting. I was was wrestling through this passage, and and John Stott kind of, took the verbs and he says, hey, you got to look at it in reverse order. Let's look at this. Look at those, look at those verbs here in verse 14. You notice that, that Christ sends ambassadors. He sends those. And, and this is something that I pray we recognize that what God is doing in, in every time in the history of the world and until he returns, God's going to send people. And we're part of those that he sent God sends ambassadors. What do the ambassadors do? They then preach, that they go share, that they talk about what Christ has done. And then you know what happens? People hear. 
People hear the message of Christ, and, and then you know what happens? People believe. The gospel is powerful. And you know, uh, we, we've seen this. The, the, um, we're seeing this right now. I mean, tomorrow, Tony right here, we're, we're, we're going to film a video tomorrow at 10 o'clock about how God has brought their entire family to Christ. You know, our church has just gotten to be a part of that. You may not know that there's a family of gypsies in our community right here. I didn't know that until I met Tony. You know, gypsies are, were the second largest people group killed in the Holocaust. Do you know the gypsies have their own language? They have a flag at the UN. There are people with no country. Their entire, there's a family of gypsies in Owasso. And do you know that in the last 14, 15 months, nine, of, or nine or 10 of their family members have been baptized in the life of our church? Isn't that awesome? And you know what? They, God saved them. You know how God saved Tony? Reading his, the Bible. And people preached to them. And, and you know, I, I, here's what I want us to recognize, that the call starts here. The call starts right here. And you know what it extends to? It extends to the nations. You know what I keep being moved by the Lord that the next generation of missionaries are, are right here, right in our, in, in our seats. Can I just tell you a couple of things? You know, you know on Tuesday, if, if you have a, a, a question about maybe you're called to go to the nations, do you know that we're having a meeting Tuesday from 8.30 to 4.30 that I've helped put together? It's at Henderson Hills Baptist Church. You ought to come. You ought to call in sick. <laughs> and if your boss asks you, are you sick? Yeah, I'm sick and not following Jesus. I'm going to go. Call in sick. I'll give you permission. I'll write you a note. <laughs> but we're, we're going to dive into our call to the... You, you could see a pathway to serve the Lord around the world that's open to you right now. Look. We're called to share the gospel. And as I look at this, there are people in your life right now who need Christ. Invest in those relationships. And I do want you to see that a door to the, the nations, a door to serve the Lord is open right now. Let's explore those opportunities. And, and I look at this passage, you look at Revelation 7, the salvation belongs to the Lord. You look at, look at Romans 10, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And how, how can they know if nobody goes and preaches? You know what? You may go, I don't, I don't know that I can preach. Look, look, you know what you can do? You can share your testimony. You might go, I don't have a good testimony. Yes, you do. You absolutely do. You know why? Because your testimony... Uh, 
you may be like me. I, I was almost eight when I came to Christ. I was about to turn eight years old. I got baptized just a few days before my eighth birthday. Not a ton changed for me at seven to eight. But, oh, Jesus spoke to my heart. He helped me realize I was a sinner and needed a Savior. So you know what? I, that's significant. And, and I, I just want you to know, you've got a testimony. Let's learn to share it. Take a risk sharing it. You know, um, I love Compassion Sunday because you know what this reminds me of? is our responsibility. But like I said, my prayer today is not that we just accept our responsibility. I want to embrace the calling God's given to us. Kiwi, I want you to come up. This is Kiwi. And, and you know what I love about compassion? And, and this has helped me um, really recognize God's hand on, on this ministry. You know what I love about compassion is it's, it's, it's shared, they share the gospel. They're unapologetically sharing the gospel. You know what else I love about compassion? It's a local church. Because when I look around this room, we do some great things. We're sharing the gospel through the Mission Center. But you know one of the greatest opportunities we have to share the gospel is every, in the preaching of the word, in the studying of the Bible, in what happens in our Bible study classes, what's happened today. And many of our classes are moving around and they're trying to make room for people. And you know what? Every class here makes room for people. That's the heart of our church. And you know what? I look at compassion. And we've seen people come to Christ like Kiwi. Kiwi, you've got to tell us your story. I want to hear it. Thank you so much, Pastor Chris. Good morning, everyone. How are you? Second service. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite service. <laughs> Before I share my testimony, I am just so honored. And I want to tell you, Thank you so much for 185 kids that you sponsored in your church. What generosity. You know, I was once in that picture. I was once that kid. But somebody prayed for me like what you did. Somebody cared for me. Somebody told me that Jesus is alive, mm. that Jesus is real. And somebody provided for me. That's why now I'm standing in front of you right now, giving God all the glory and honor for what he has done in me. He is a good God, good father. You know, I was born and raised to the Philippines, in the Philippines, to a very poor family. My dad, he's an alcoholic, and each night my parents, they would fight because he would always come home drunk. There are three brothers ahead of me who died because of lack of medical attention. My third brother, he was supposed to be born cesarean section, but my parents could not afford the medical care necessary. So what they did, they cut my mom open without proper anesthesia. My mom screamed for pain, but my brother didn't survive. But after that, I was born in another sister. And I remember growing up in the Philippines, it was so difficult that there are several nights that me and my sister, we would beg our parents, Ma, Pa, we could not sleep because we were so hungry. But even my parents would give up the food, the food that they're about to eat each night, which is most of the time, rice and soy sauce or rice and salt, it would still be not sufficient. 
I remember I would look at my neighbor's window and pretend to watch their television from outside of their house. But I would look at their table and see food and wonder why do they have food to eat tonight and us not. And I remember vividly when apples were imported from America to the Philippines. I would beg my mama, Ma, please, I want to taste this apple. But even a rotten apple, we could not afford to buy. This is a picture of what my life was in the Philippines. But you know what? It didn't stop there because we have a good father mm. in heaven. One day, my dad was an alcoholic when everybody else said, oh, your dad's not going to change. He's going to die an alcoholic. But the word of God says, nothing is impossible with me. In his workplace, he picked up a track. You know, for the young people, a track is a reading material about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And in that track, it says to go to a crusade. He went to, to the crusade. And in the crusade, he heard about the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have an everlasting life. And in that crusade, my dad received Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. And for the very first time, my dad went home sober. Mm. My mom was so surprised. What's wrong? What happened? Why are you sober tonight? My dad said, nothing is wrong with me. I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And we need to go to church. You need to come with me. So he brought us to church. And me and my sister, we would sit in Sunday school. And Pastor Chris, you know, in Sunday school, they would sing about Jesus, that Jesus loves the little children, all the children in the world, red, yellow, black, and white, all the children in his sight, that Jesus cares, that Jesus provides. But as a young kid, a seven-year-old kid, I could not comprehend that. Who is this Jesus? If he cares and if he provides, then why do we live this way? But you know what? We have a good, good father in heaven because mm. at the age of seven, I was registered to the compassion program in our church and somebody from Australia picked up a packet and he started to sponsor me. And the very first thing in his letter, I could never ever forget, he said, Kiwi, you are pretty and Kiwi, Jesus loves you. Mm. You know, in our culture, we don't tell our kids, oh, you're so beautiful, you're so pretty. I've never thought of myself as beautiful when I was a kid. But later on, I begin to realize, Lord, is this how you see me? <laughs> that I'm beautiful and wonderful in your sight. That I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That I am a child of the one true God. Mm. I would go to our church in the compassion program. And there, my teacher, she told me, Kiwi, Yes, this is your situation. You are poor, but this is not your destiny. For in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Sometimes we stop in that verse because we love all the future that God has for us, all the good things that God has for us. But the following verses, it says, Seek me, and you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. I begin to open my Bible. I begin to read the words of God for my life. I begin to grasp the promises of God for my life. And I begin to believe that those words are true. In high school, I told my mama, Ma, I don't want to be poor anymore. I, wanna, I don't want to live this way anymore. I want to be able to go to college, take up something, 
but even my parents would work maybe 24-7. It, it seems so impossible. But yet again, with God, nothing is impossible. At the time, Compassion partners with 26 partner countries. And they don't have the program to send students to go to college. But they launched a program to send kids to college. And I was one of the first mm. few students to get in. This lady who is standing in front of you right now is a physical therapist working in a hospital in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> God is so good. You know, after my graduation from college, I need to take a very difficult exam, and I was just so scared to fail. There are a lot of young people here who are scared of exams, but adults are scared of the unknown too, scared of failing. I told the Lord, Lord, you said in your words, we're not the tail but the head. So I want to top my exam. But in reality, I was just so scared and anxious. But every time I opened my Bible, God would tell me, Kiwi, is there anything too hard for me? The answer is nothing, absolutely nothing is too hard for the Lord. All of my promises for you are yes and amen. Out of 1,700 students who took the exam in my country, the Philippines, I landed 10th place. That's awesome. <laughs> and because of that, they gave me a medal. And as I was receiving this medal, I told the Lord, Lord, if only my sponsors were here, I'm going to give this medal to them. Because of them, this is a reality. Mm. You know, Pastor Chris, in our church before, every year we have a prayer and fasting every January. I usually don't join because I was hungry when I was a kid. <laughs> that year I joined and I prayed for that I'm gonna see my sponsors. February came, March and April came, and a group of Australian sponsors came to the Philippines and asked me to give my testimony. And after that they said, Kiwi, we want you to go to Australia and we want you to meet your sponsors. Mm. And I think I have a picture for you. Mm -hmm. mm. That's awesome. When I saw them, I ran to them and hugged them. And over and over again, I told them, thank you so much. You didn't just change my life, but my family. And I know one day my community, you know, my mom became a pastor of a small community church in the Philippines. And three years ago, we opened our own kids' ministry in our own backyard. Mm. And we named it, To God Be the Glory Kids' Ministry, to give Him all the glory and praises for what He has done in our lives. God Amen. is so Amen. good. Amen. He is good. 14 years ago, I came to America to work as a physical therapist. And 10 years ago, I got married to a wonderful man from Chattanooga, Tennessee. <laughs> Yes, I got myself a southern boy. <laughs> My husband's name is Terry Cook, and he's an executive chef in Dallas, Texas. Imagine I was hungry when I was a kid. Now I'm married to an executive <laughs> chef. <laughs> I will never be hungry again. <laughs> oh, my God. God can only surprise you like that. And... During the wedding, I invited my parents to come to the United States. And you know where I took them after the wedding? I think I have a picture for you. <laughs> I took my parents to an apple orchard in L.J., Georgia. And my dad, <laughs> he's picking up apples from the ground. And I said, not those rotten apples, dad. 
not those rotten apples. God has blessed us exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. That we're now able to pick up apples from the tree, the freshest of apples. I know that God withheld that rotten apple years and years ago because He has something better for us. And at that moment, in that apple orchard, we're just celebrating about the goodness, the grace, the faithfulness, the compassion, the love of God in our lives. He is so, so good. And I believe that He has blessed us not to just keep it to ourselves. God has blessed us to be a blessing to other people, to be His hands and feet to other people. I know we've heard the saying, hurt people, hurt people, but blessed people, blessed people. Loved people should show other people that they are loved too. And because of that, I am now a sponsor of four children. Two from the Philippines, because I'm biased. <laughs> One from Haiti and a little boy named Juan from Bolivia. And several years ago, me and my husband went back home to the Philippines and met my sponsor children. And I think I have a picture for you. Mm-hmm. And I told them, hang in there. Do not ever, ever give up. If God can do it to me, He can do it to you. Do not give up. Maybe that's a word for you today too. Finish the race. Fight the good fight of faith. God is with you. He is never against you. He is close to the brokenhearted. He embraces you. If he knows the number of our hair, how much more he will not care for us, provide for us, give us love and strength every day. Do not give up. One day, God will give you a chance, an avenue, even a platform to tell your friends, to tell your neighbor, to tell an acquaintance, an office mate, everybody, to tell a church, to tell the world that we have a good good Father in heaven. To Him be all the glory and honor and praises forever and ever. Thank you so much, and God bless you all. Thank you you so much. You You know, John was convinced that Jesus was the Lord of all. He started telling people. And you know what? They told people, and they told people, and they told people, and that news got to my grandpa, Les Wall. Lost, rough, auto mechanic, the married Hattie Wall, who had two brothers that got killed and one committed suicide, just lost. And Jesus changed their lives. And you know what? God's still working that way. Word of mouth. One at a time. And I I love it how God not only rescued Kiwi from poverty, he saved her soul. So you know the mission challenge for us today is to jump in. My prayer today is not just for us to accept a responsibility because we've all been given so very much. We have such an important responsibility. But you know what my prayer is that we 
not just accept a responsibility, but we embrace our calling. It's time to jump in serving the Lord here. I love how Keith has coined this. Here, right here. There, all over Oklahoma and around our nation and everywhere, we're called to go all over the world. And this is one way we're doing it. How has God spoken to you today? You know that your greatest need is forgiveness. Do you know Jesus? You know, many of you do. Because I know you. I see people I know. Now we're called to be a witness. We're not called to hide our light. We're called to be an influence. We're called to boldly influence this world to consider Christ. And in spite of a world that's pushing us, hey, you guys, stop doing that. We cannot. We will not. We will continue to open our Sunday school classes to people that aren't here yet. We will continue to to figure out ways to, to take the gospel to the world in a way where they'll listen. This is our calling. And one day, folks, one day, that Revelation 7, 9 moment will be will be an experience for all of us that will gather with people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation around the throne of God. And oh my goodness, I can't wait for that moment. Let's not forget our calling to prepare for that moment to prepare the world for that moment. That's our calling. Let's live it out. You know, we're going to we're going to stand and we're going to we're going to have an invitation. And maybe that invitation for you is to come to Jesus. I mean, you need Jesus more than you need the next breath that you take. Maybe this invitation is for you to just Repent, because you're not living it. Hey, look, life's too short, and these days are too important not to live it. Hey, we, we got to get with it, living for Christ. There's some that need to repent. There's some that are closed off to others that are not willing to share the gospel. we got to repent. Hey, we live in a world that needs Jesus. And some of you in this room are called to go. The next generation of missionaries are right here. Is it you? Take off work on Tuesday. I'm serious. Take off. Would you stand where you are? Lord Jesus. I do pray that somebody in this room would answer the call to missions. Father, I do pray 
that there would be genuine repentance of silence, of complacency, of unwillingness to see the lost around us. I pray for repentance today for some. I pray, Lord, that you would use us in Okotal, Nicaragua. Thank you for Kiwi's story and her life. Thank you for saving her dad and changing the eternal destiny of her family. Thank you that we get to see it today. Thank you for Tony and his family. Thank you, Jesus, for the call to be a part of Revelation 7-9. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would be faithful to work to build that crowd. Thank you for allowing us to join you in that pursuit. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen.